Uh, I want to read in the book of Galatians. I want to read a verse there. Galatians chapter uh, number 5. And then I want to read uh, some out of Revelation chapter 2. The Lord will help me tonight. And uh, appreciate my wife being with me. And sweet Abigail being with us tonight. And uh, glad for the Lord. Praise the Lord. Galatians 5, one verse. Verse 7. Ye did run well. Who did hinder you that ye should not obey the truth? Ye did run well. Who did hinder you? that ye should not obey the truth. Revelation 2, verse 1, Unto the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience, and how thou canst not bear them which are evil, and thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not, and hast found them liars, and hast borne, and hast patient, and for my name's sake has labored, and hast not fainted. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly, and will remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. But this thou hast, that thou hatest the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Hallelujah. Father, I pray that you'll help us tonight for a few minutes in your word. Thank you for the opportunity and the privilege we have of being here tonight. Thank you for everyone gathered in this house. We thank you, Lord, for your presence. We ask, Lord, for the touch of the Holy Ghost. Be upon these lips of clay. Anoint the ears of the people to hear, the hearts to receive. The word of God tonight, touch us around the altars. In a few minutes, and we'll thank you and praise you for what you do. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen. And amen. Praise God. There was a man who had built a very successful business. 
after he had built that business, he had the opportunity to sell it. And he did. He sold his business. And uh, he decided he wanted to see the world. He decided he wanted to sail around the world. So he bought him a big old yacht. And he sailed around the world. And he lived a very interesting life, according to the to the story. After a while, he was able to buy back his business. I guess he got bored. He decided he would buy back his old business, and he failed miserably. Upon seeing one of his friends at a gathering, he said something to this friend that he said he never forgot. He simply said to him, I lost my momentum. Webster, he defines momentum as the strength or force that something has when it is moving. The strength or force that allows something to continue or to grow stronger or faster as time passes. Momentum. I really think that you would agree with me tonight that we're in a conflict. We're in a warfare. I don't think there's any church that is exempt from that. There's fightings without and there's fightings within. We are in a warfare. And I really think that the devil is working so hard to stop the momentum of the church. He's been working at that for a long time to try to stop the momentum of the church. And the truth of the matter is, if he, if he affects our focus, he affects our momentum. If he can get us to look away, if he can get us for a moment to, to focus on whatever it may be in our lives, if he can get us to focus solely on that thing and get our focus off of the Lord, he is going to stop our momentum. And you know, when, when, Paul, when Paul said, Ye did run well, who did hinder you? If you'll, if you'll study that and look at that, that word hinder means to drive you back. Ye did run well. 
everything was going good. Everything was going great. Who did drive you back? Who stopped your momentum? And you know, uh, what I what I want to what I want to deal with tonight is what I feel like, and I've I've felt like this for several days now, and I honestly I tried to get away from it, but it seemed like I I can't. What what I wanna what I wanna deal with tonight is I, I wanna deal with this recovering our momentum. Recovering our momentum because uh you know we've got to have it. If we're going to do anything that is lasting, if we're gonna do anything that that is uh that is, that is beneficial to the church to our lives, to our family, to the kingdom of God, we've got to have our momentum. We've got to have it. And, and you know, uh, uh, the, truth, the truth of the matter is, before we can recover something, we have to deal first, first with how we lost it. I mean, th- there's a lot of people that would rather not, and I understand that. There, there are some people who would rather rather not recover something than, than to have to deal with how they lost it. They don't want to go there. I mean, they don't mind you tell them, hey, you lost it. I understand that. But dealing with how we lost it, in order to get it back, a lot of times we'd rather just sit in our church pew, go through all the motions and doing our religious things and never get back that thing that we so desperately need in our lives to get us moving forward in God's direction and in what God wants us to do. I'm telling you tonight, amen, we, we've, we have got, we've got to, and, and listen, amen, this, this message tonight, it, 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 may not, it may not be to the church here as a whole, it may be just to individuals sitting in this service tonight. But I really felt like several days ago, amen, that the Lord would have me come here on this first night and try to help somebody recover the momentum that you've lost spiritually in your life. You need to get it back. You need to get it back. Amen. And we need to deal we need to deal with how we lost some things and how we lost that momentum in our life. And, and when we read, and I'm not going to take a whole lot of time uh, to go into all this, but when we read in Galatians, when he said, Who did hinder you that ye should not obey the truth? Uh, uh, the, the, the fact is, when you read Galatians, you find that the thing that caused them to lose their momentum was that they started listening to the wrong people. They started listening to the wrong people. They, they were told that they had to go back to the law of Moses and Judaism. They were told they had to go back to circumcision if they were going to have it right 
with God. And so, and so what happened is with this young church, this new church, these new converts, uh, it produced confusion among them. Amen. Some of them got to the place to where they didn't know what to believe. They didn't know if they needed just to follow after what Paul was preaching and the other apostles or were they were they supposed to go back and go back to Judaism and go back to these other things and these ceremonies and all of these rituals were we supposed and they so they were in a state of confusion. And how many knows that confusion, amen, will rob us of our momentum confusion will rob us of our momentum when you know uh, amen when, when, when it comes it comes because we have been listening to the wrong people amen but we see really when 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 he said that if we'll go back to chapter one they were warned about this they were warned about this he said in chapter 1, he said, I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into this grace, into the grace of Christ, unto another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. And, and we said, as we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that ye have received, let him be accursed. For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I yet pleased men, I should not be the servant of Christ. But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man. But I, for I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. I'm telling you tonight, it's a dangerous thing when we start listening to the wrong voices. It'll rob you of your momentum. Amen. When people start telling you, amen, that you don't have to live like that. You don't have to worship like that. You don't have to be faithful like that. Amen. God will overlook stuff like that. Amen. You better be careful. You're listening to the wrong voices. And after a while, it's going to rob you of your spiritual momentum. And you're going to be just like this people was. Amen. You're going to hear the man of God say, you did run well. Everything was going good. Who did hinder you that you should not obey the truth. Amen. Now I need to hurry and get to what I want to preach to you. Amen. Not only were they listening to the wrong people but they were also catering to the flesh. Now that's something that, that will stop the momentum in a hurry. They had lost their momentum for truth. But they were warned. Galatians 5.16 said, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envies, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. Of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. 
when people are catering to the flesh, it's going to rob you of your momentum. Then we looked, then we looked over in Revelation chapter 2 and we saw the Ephesians. They lost focus of their priorities. They had maintained their devotion or their doctrine and their opposition to those who were advocates of error all the while leaving their first love. First love, foremost in time, place, order, or importance. First love. It would seem, one man said, that their zeal had outlasted their love. I mean, they had maintained their doctrine. They were in opposition to those who were advocating error. But all the while they were leaving their first love. And may I say to us tonight, what good is it to have it all down but don't love Him? What is it? What good is it to know everything forwards and backwards and up and down but not love Him? What good is it to come to the house of God and sing the songs of Zion and raise our hands and praise the Lord if we don't love Him. Oh God. Wherefore Paul said in Ephesians 1 and 15, Wherefore I also after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints. Thirty years had elapsed since Paul had written this epistle to them. Amen. But notice what Jesus said. John was just writing down what Jesus said. Jesus said, Thou hast left thy first love. Amen. Do you realize, do you understand that left, it seems to be a deliberate word. Left, not lost or drifted or wandered off, but left. Left, left, left. They have left their first love. Amen. Oh, God. Amen. It's, it's, it's defined left as forsake or lay aside to leave, to yield up. What drew you away from me, the Lord is asking. Amen. May I say tonight, when we lose sight of what's most important, secondary things will start vying for the preeminence in our lives. When we lose sight of what should be and ought to be first in our lives, amen, those things that are second and thirdly on our list all of a sudden start making a move upward, amen, to the top of the list. And I'm preaching to somebody not night, amen, and I've come to tell you, amen, you need to get your momentum back. Oh, God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. Listen to me. You know, 
it's a, it's a sight, really, when we, when we look at our churches as pastors. When I look over at, at my little old church there in Kentucky, amen, it's a sight sometimes what people allow to rob them of their momentum. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. And you know, when we, when we think about the church, what is it? What is it that, that robs the church of its momentum? What is it that, that causes the church to, to lose that, that force, that moving force that's moving forward and upward in God? What is it that causes the church to lose things such as that? Amen. There's, there, there's really, and it's really simple. Amen. It, it's, it's the lack of praying, Bible reading, dedication to the things of God, and church attendance. I mean, those are just plain and simple things. But I'm telling you, it's the plain, simple things that robs us of our spiritual momentum as a church. Hallelujah. Amen. And oh, I'm telling you, and I understand, I know, amen, that sometimes problems happen and troubles of life come and we go through things and we have battles and we fight things that, uh, that, that we're not planning for and we're not looking for and they just show up and we find ourselves in the midst of a battle that we weren't even expecting and sometimes it nearly knocks us off our feet. Amen. But I'm telling you, amen, we cannot afford to allow anything thing to rob us amen of our spiritual progress in God there is no stopping point there is no resting place amen there is no place where we can just get off the highway amen and take it easy amen we've got to go forward we've got to keep moving in the right direction hallelujah praise God amen let, let me give you real quickly three things that I, I believe that will help us to recover our spiritual momentum. Hallelujah. And they're very simple tonight. Amen. First of all, we must re-engage ourselves in prayer. We must re-engage ourselves in prayer. I'm telling you, we've got to get back to praying. You say, well, I pray Sunday morning and Sunday night and Thursday night. Well, what about Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. Are you listening to me? We got to get back to praying. I, I was visiting. I was visiting a couple weekends ago. I was visiting with a pastor from Kenya. This pastor told me 15 years ago that when he took his church, he said we had a small crowd of about 85. He said, he said but in the 15 years I've been there, we are now running 1,000 people. And Brother Fellers, he said this to me. He said, I have not done very much evangelizing. He said, I taught my people to pray. He said, because prayer attracts. Let me tell you what makes our services tight and hard and a struggle sometimes. It's because when we come to the house of God, 
We've got a million other things on our mind but God. And you know what will fix that? A consistent daily prayer life. Because when we are praying daily and we are engaged in prayer, when we come to the house of God, the battle's already won. And when we come together as the church, we can come together and worship in freedom and in liberty in the spirit because we've already been in the presence of God at the house. Are you hearing what I'm telling you tonight? Amen. We've got to get back to praying. We've got to get back to seeking the face of God. Amen. While we're at home, while we're in our bedroom, while we're in the living room, while we're driving down the road, while we're working on the job, while we're sitting at the school desk, we've got to get back to praying. Amen. Nothing else is going to work. We've tried this and we've tried that. We've tried everything in the book. Amen. God help the church that we've waited to make prayer the last resort. Amen. We got to put it back at the top of the list. One night, one night, some soldiers came barging into General Jackson's tent and said, there's an unusual noise going on in the camp. You better come and look at this. General Jackson came out of his tent and he started walking down the rows. And he was listening. He'd stop by every tent he passed. And he would listen. And inside of those tents were men praying. And he turned around and looked at that man. And said, God forbid that prayer be an unusual noise in this camp. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, if we'll get back to praying... I preached in my church last night, 2 Chronicles 26. Uzziah, in his early reign as king, when he was 16 years old, he was given, he was given the reins of the kingdom. And the Bible said that he sought the Lord all the days of Zechariah, that man of God that understood the visions of God. He sought the Lord. And the Bible said, it said, and as long as he sought the Lord... God made him to prosper. As long as he sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. Amen. And Brother Wayne, I looked up that word prosper. And that word prosper means to push forward. To push forward. As long as he sought the Lord, God pushed him forward. Amen. Are you hearing what I'm telling you tonight? If we as the church would get back to seeking God, amen, we would feel a force, amen, behind 
behind us that would be pushing us forward. Amen. Pushing us past the obstacles. Pushing us past the barriers. Pushing us past the bondage. Pushing us past the depression. Pushing us past the oppression. Pushing us past the power of the enemy. When the church gets back to prayer, God is going to push his church forward. That's how we get our momentum back. Prayer. Prayer. It's hard for me to believe people that say they love God, but they don't pray. We must re-engage ourselves in prayer. want revival we need revival we all say we want revival and God has given us the formula for revival in his word and it's been there for a long time if my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and And seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. Listen to me. Everything we have received began at an altar. You remember, you remember when when Abraham, God called Abraham and he left his kindred and he left his, his nation and he started following God. The Bible said that everywhere Abraham went, he built an altar. And then a famine rose up. And Abraham went down to Egypt. And if you'll read that account, all the time that Abraham was in Egypt, he built no altar. And when he got into Egypt, that's when things started going south. Things started going bad for Abraham because he got away from his altar. And the only turnaround for Abraham was when God said, go back. And everything in his life turned back around and he got his momentum back when he went back to his altar. I'm telling you, it's more important than we realize. A praying church is a powerful church. It attracts. Because when we're praying, we're changing on the inside. And when we're changing, people around us are realizing 
and recognizing the change that is happening in our lives. And then they start inquiring what's going on in your life, what is different. And then the door is opened and you can tell them about God. And it begins with prayer. We need to re-engage ourselves in prayer. I've got to hurry. We need to re-equip ourselves with the Spirit. Amen. How many believes church could use a good refilling of the Holy Ghost? Woo! I believe that's what we need. We need the Holy Ghost. We need the Spirit of God moving in our churches. You need the Spirit of God moving in your life. Come on now. Amen. We need the Holy Ghost. And we as a church, we're, we're supposed to be Pentecostal. I can say that here and everybody will shake their head yes. I preached somewhere one time. They asked me to come preach a fellowship meeting, you know. And here I am, you know, just the kind guy I was. Uh, they said, why don't you come preach this fellowship meeting? All right. I went down there and I began to preach. And I was preaching on the Holy Ghost. Amen. And I said, praise God, this is a Pentecostal church, isn't it? Okay, so I just finished my message, grabbed my sandwich and left. But this is a Pentecostal church. The moving of the Spirit of God ought to be expected here. Woo, come on now. I said it ought to be expected here. Amen. Hallelujah. When you walk in on a Sunday morning, you ought to expect the Spirit of God to move here. Hallelujah. I remember those days at Modesto. Praise God. Amen. Sunday night services. Grandpa called them the, sur the Jubilee service. It was a Jubilee service. Y'all have Jubilee services here? Praise God. A Jubilee service. It, was every, it wasn't just once a month. It was every Sunday night. It was a jubilee service. You know why? Because that old man of God walked in that door expecting the Spirit of God to start moving among the congregation. Hallelujah. Oh, that God would help us, amen, to get back to the place when we come to the house of God. Amen. We don't come looking for who's going to sing, who's going to testify, who's going to preach. Amen. We're coming. Amen. Is the Spirit of God going to move in here tonight? Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but I come to this revival, amen, expecting the moving of the Spirit of God in every service. I'm telling you, we gotta get back, amen, to re-equipping ourselves with the power of the Spirit of God. Woo! Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. Are you, is she, are she following me? Are you following? Okay. Amen. Acts 4 and 21. Praise God. So when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding nothing how they might punish them because of the people. For all men glorified God for that which was done. For the man was about 40 years old of whom this miracle of healing was showed. And being let go, 
they went to their own company and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said unto them. And when they heard that, they lifted up their, the vo their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, thou art God which has made heaven and earth and the sea and all that in them is, who by the mouth of thy servant David is said, why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? The kings of the earth stood up and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For of a truth against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together for to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. Now, Lord, behold their threatenings. Hallelujah. Praise God. Can I just put that in my message? Amen. And now, Lord, they're trying to stop our momentum. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings. Amen. Hallelujah. And grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word by stretching forth thine hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they spake the word of God with boldness and the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. Neither said any of them of any aught of things which he possessed was his own but they all had things in common and with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace was upon them all. Re-equip us Lord. Re-equip us, Lord. Re-equip us, Lord. Fill me again with the Holy Ghost. Fill me again with your power. Fill me again with your spirit. I got to have a revival. I got to get my momentum back. Amen. I got to get back that that I have lost. Woo! You understand that the power of the Holy Ghost is the church's greatest need. It's our greatest need. It's above our programs. It's above things that we've got planned. We've got to have the power of the Holy Ghost in our churches. Amen. I'm telling you, amen. We need some young people that'll get full of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Get on fire for God and do something for God in these last days. We got to have the power of the Holy Ghost. It's not going to work any other way. Woo, hallelujah. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. That little boy, that little boy was flying his kite. And he got higher and higher and higher and higher and higher and higher. Higher and higher and higher and higher. To the point to where it got plumb out of sight. He couldn't even see. A man walked by. What are you doing, son? He said, I'm flying a kite. He said, how do you know there's a kite up there? He said, because every once in a while I feel the tug. Whew. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
Why is it that I'm at church on Sunday morning and Sunday night and midweek service? Amen. Because Brother Fellers, every great once in a while I come in and I feel it pull. Woo, hallelujah. I can feel it pulling. Oh, glory be to God. Amen. Hallelujah. Aren't you tired of the humdrum? Aren't you tired of just going through the motions? Aren't you tired of just coming to church and doing your religious thing? I'll tell you what you need to do. Amen. Get full of the power of the Holy Ghost. It'll give you your momentum. Hallelujah. To get beyond the gravitational barrier, the rockets must have power. Are you listening? To get beyond that gravitational barrier, they must have power. And to get beyond the pull of this world, the church must have power. I've never seen a time when so many churches are caving to the pressures of the world and that spirit of antichrist that does now work. They're caving. Why? Because they have no power to get them above it. Why is it that families are at the point of disintegrating right before our eyes? It's because they have no power to get them above it. Brother and sister, there's no greater power than the power of the Holy Ghost to get us above it. Praise God. Hallelujah. I got to close. We must re-engage ourselves with prayer, re-equip ourselves with the Spirit. We must reincorporate real worship. Real worship. The kind that comes from here. Not just here. How many? I want to raise my hand. How many ever sung a song out of the hymn book? And you've known it many years. You've sang it most of your life. And one day it dawns on you. I've never really paid attention to these words. Huh? Yeah. We all have. We've just sang it. We just sang it. But how many times do we hear the pastor say, let's raise our hands and praise the Lord. And we just say, love you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. And it never dawns on us what we're saying. Brothers and sisters, we have got to get back to real worship. There's some folks, they can't worship unless the song's going 120 miles an hour. They can't worship unless they're in the mood. Hello. There's a, 
young lady testified in my church the other night. She's as honest as the day is long. And she said, sometimes, you know, I'm coming to church and I'm thinking, I'm just not feeling it tonight. She said, so I just don't. She was condemning herself. She was condemning herself. Come on now. And how many times spiritually have we come to the house of God? We walked in the door. We're saying just ain't feeling it tonight. Come on now. As far as I know, there's only two times to worship the Lord. When you feel like it and when you don't. What you're going through or what you're feeling at the moment does not change who he is. Say, well, I'm dog tired. Then offer up a sacrifice of praise. Because I have found out, Brother Gaither, that when I praised him, when I didn't feel like it, that's when the glory of God came down. Because God honors somebody that'll worship him even when they don't feel like it. When they don't feel like being there. When they don't feel like standing up. When all they want to do is just sit down and let the rest of the day go by. But when they decide, you know something, he's worthy. He's worthy. It doesn't matter how I feel right now. He's worthy. It doesn't matter what kind of day I've had today. He's worthy. It doesn't matter what I'm going through right now in my family. He's worthy. He's worthy. And when we're praising him, when we've got real worship going on in our heart and our life, the momentum begins to build. And before we know it, We've got a force pushing us that the devil don't know what to do with because we've got our momentum. Let's stand tonight. Listen to me. Hallelujah. There is too much at stake The devil's working too hard. The world is pulling too much for the church to lose our momentum. And I don't know who I'm preaching to tonight. I may be preaching to somebody or to somebodies. But I've come to preach to you tonight. You need to get your momentum back. And it starts right here at this altar it's where it's going to start I don't know what you're going through I don't know what you're facing I don't know what caused you to lose your momentum I didn't take the time tonight to run down through a list of things because you know what it is that's caused you to lose your momentum in God but I've come to preach to you tonight you can get it back you can start right here at this altar. You don't have to drag through the rest of your spiritual existence 
You don't have to walk through like a, you're, you got pulling a thousand pounds. God can give you a start right now in your momentum. That you can fly like the eagles. That you can run and not be weary. And you can walk and not faint. Hallelujah. Father, I love you tonight. I thank you for your word. I thank you for the people that are here tonight. Lord, I've done my best to preach what's been up on my heart. Lord, I don't know who I'm preaching to tonight. But you're dealing with people in this room. And I'm asking you right now in Jesus' name. Lord, that you will give liberty that they might be able to respond to the dealing of the Spirit tonight. To come to this altar and get their momentum back tonight. Would there be somebody in this room? That will decide right now. At this very moment. I'm tired of dragging through. I'm tired of not having my momentum. I want my momentum back. I'm going to start down there at that altar tonight. And you just... You just step out. You just step out. And you'd say, this is what I'm doing tonight. I'm getting my momentum back tonight. And I'm starting at that altar tonight. Just, just waiting. I've let things rob me of my momentum I want my momentum back. I've let things, I've let stuff hinder me. I want my momentum back. And I'm starting at the altar tonight. Oh, glory. Oh, glory.